This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. All right, let me stop playing. It's been a fun March Madness, for sure. I mean, I caught a lot of games more than I thought I would. Probably wouldn't, probably not going to watch that many Sweet 16 games. In Elite Eight game, I'd rather go out, do lift, and make money. But hey, I'm sure those will be good too. And I'm sure some of those games will be on the radio. So I'll check it out. But every March Madness, they're upsets. North Texas beat Purdue. I mean, I listened to one analyst say Purdue would be a tough matchup for Baylor. And they couldn't even get past North Texas. Or Roberts beat Ohio State. I was watching that game, and as soon as I found out that Max Acemas, that's how you say it, right? Okay. Max Acemas, the, the minute I found out he was the leading scorer in the country, I knew he was going to make this team competitive. I knew that gave them a chance, and it did. From the jump, he was hitting threes from any and everywhere. In Ohio State, I think they would have won if Dwayne Washington Jr. had a better game. He missed everything down the stretch. Threes, free throws, you name it. He had a chance to be the hero multiple times and just couldn't couldn't deliver. That's not what I was used to seeing from Ohio State. That's crazy. But they lost and... That made way for Oral Roberts. They're a great story. They turn around and beat Florida. They were down double digits in the second half, and they still came back and won. Ace Smith had another 20-something points. He's going on a Steph Curry-like type of run. This this team kind of reminds me of Davidson, although it's kind of a two-man show, though. It's, it's Ace Smith and it's Obanor. I think that's how you say it. See, these names, man. These names, man. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, they uh they knocked off Florida. Who I- I'll talk about them later. But and Florida was in control, and Oral Roberts came back. So props to them for winning those two games as a 15 seed. This might be one of the best 15 seeds I've ever seen. Like real talk. Let's see. Uh, Ohio beat Virginia, which doesn't surprise many. Like because Virginia. Had the COVID situation and just got to Indianapolis like the day before the game. So them losing to them losing to Ohio kind of makes sense. And Ohio isn't isn't that bad. I mean, they had that thrill over Illinois at the beginning of the season. And Jason Preston, like I like I said in the other show, is nice. He is nice. So yeah, of course he showed up. And, you know, Virginia tried to make it close, but it just, Ohio was just too much, man. The way they was getting to the rim down the stretch and, and making their free throws, well, for the most part, just too much. Texas lost to Abilene Christian. I loved it. I loved it because <laughs> I loved it. Abilene Christian didn't shoot well at all. They got, but they had like 18 offensive rebounds. That is hilarious. With all that size that Texas have, they got severely out-rebounded. What about that guy Jericho Sims, who was like Big 12 most improved player or something like that? 
I think he was all Big 12 as well. What happened to him? What happened to Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, like, and freaking Greg Brown, the guy that I hyped up all year, only played six minutes? What? You got to be kidding me. And before the show, it, it was announced that Shocker Smart is going back home to Wisconsin. I didn't know he was from Wisconsin, but he's going back home to Wisconsin to coach. Marquette, hey, lacquer, less pressure, less pressure from boosters and less um, underachieving with a stacked roster. Hey, and you go to a more basketball, a bigger basketball school. This is great. It's great for him. But Abilene Christian, not shooting well at all, still, still beat Texas. And I love it. I, I love to see Texas. And I thought Texas was going to go far. Cause they won the Big Twelve. I was like, okay, they might go on a sort of a sort of a run. But how many times have I seen this? When a team other than Kansas wins the Big Twelve and then does nothing in the next round, like like a West Virginia, like I think they made the finals one year, then they got knocked out first game. Missouri won the Big Twelve, knocked out the first game as a two seed. Texas won the Big Twelve. Knocked out as a three seed. How many times have I seen this? Where where when anyone other than Kansas wins the Big 12 and they choke in the free NCAA tournament. I need to look out for that when filling out my bracket. I'm looking at it right now. Like Abilene Christian shot 29% and 16% from three. And Texas lost to them. How in how on earth? Texas had nine blocks to Abilene Christian zero. See, they, they got the size and the length, but offensive rebounds, 18 to 5? Trash. Just trash. Unbelievable. Texas had no business losing to them. And, of course, Abilene Christian, I knew they was going to lose the next game against UCLA, which, by the way, they beat BYU. I mean, I thought it'd be Michigan State beating BYU, but then it ends up being UCLA. They're in a the Sweet 16. I knew Abilene Christian wasn't going to win another game because I was like, they're not going to shoot this bad and go anywhere else in the tournament. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, my God. So, okay, Syracuse annihilated San Diego State. I don't know. I should have just picked Syracuse. I wasn't sure. I hadn't watched San Diego State play all year. Um, Jim Bayheim is a hell of a coach, heck of a hell of a lot of experience. Should have just picked them. And Buddy Bayheim is on a roll. Which is why they beat West Virginia, too, because he went off for 20-something points. And it's like West Virginia, it was a back-and-forth game, and West Virginia went on a little bit of a run because Jeff McNeil was on fire. Then he went cold, and their bigs were getting in foul trouble. And, and Syracuse just ran away with it. And I was like, damn, another hit to my bracket. I mean, it's okay because on my most serious brackets, I have Baylor and Gonzaga. In the championship. So it doesn't matter. It would have helped if Illinois didn't lose to Loyola Chicago. That ruined a lot of brackets. But it helped me in my bracket pool. Uh, those who picked Illinois to win it all or had them in the Final Four. That helped me tremendously. That cleared a lot of people out the way. Texas Tech losing. Cleared a lot of people out the way. <clears throat> and Texas Tech was 
definitely going to lose for sure until like late in that second half against Arkansas when Arkansas just decides to not make a bucket and their first round potential first round draft pick uh, Moody decides to disappear and but somehow some way Arkansas wins that game I'm so glad because that that also helped me in my money bracket pool I don't think it helped the GOAT level bracket. The the GOAT level podcast bracket isn't doing that well. I mean, whatever. I, I stopped looking at it after a while. <laughs> it just didn't matter, bro. Real talk. <laughs> uh, what, what, what other upset I have here? The Oregon State destroyed Tennessee. It's kind of shocking to me because ESPN Plus really liked Tennessee. I should have looked at Kim Palm because Kim Palm had USC and Loyola Chicago up really high. So I should have looked at that. If I had looked at that, that would have helped. That's going to help me next year for the bracket pool. I'll look at that. But this is the same Kempom that had Illinois' number two or number three in in his rankings. So the Kempom isn't the end-all, be-all, but it would have helped me in picking my bracket. Yeah, USC destroyed Kansas. It wasn't close. It was a low-scoring game at first. But once USC started to heat up and Kansas continued to just shoot bricks, it was a runaway. The Mobley brothers are just too much on both ends of the floor. And um, I I don't know. I got to look at their game against Oregon earlier this year. They were supposed to play twice. They only played once. And apparently USC came out firing, but somehow it was a close game at the end. I got to look at that. I got to look and see. What happened there? Oregon beat Iowa, and people were telling me Iowa didn't play on defense. The experts were saying that. The people on the radio were saying that. Yet still, I had Iowa going to the Elite Eight for the most part. Them guys couldn't stop anybody. Oregon did whatever they want. That guy number five on Oregon, I think his name is Duarte, I think. He is doing whatever he wanted. Luca Garza eight, of course. Like, he he showed why he's an All-American. But everybody else, trash. Just trash. And they ran Iowa out of the gym. Unbelievable, man. Like, I can't believe I didn't, I picked them to go that far. Now, I had Illinois losing in the Sweet 16 in my money bracket. I thought the guards on Illinois would be too much. And then if you try to stop the guards, Kofi Coburn would just take over. That's kind of what happened against Loyal Chicago. The only problem is I didn't think about the defensive part of that. Um, Illinois could not stop anything, could not stop Crutwig, could not stop their guards. I didn't see that coming. And Loyal Chicago straight up dominated, and they made A.O. DeSumo look regular, look mid. He looked awful. He had nine points. He had like six turnovers. There was a sequence where Crutwig stripped the ball from Ayo Dosumu on like back-to-back plays. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, I thought this team was going to go to Final Four. I thought this team was no worse than Sweet 16. And they just looked, they look or they look awful. I'm like, man. And that dude, Frazier, that had 28 against Michigan without A.O. DeSumo, 
He had two points. These guys were trash against Illinois Chicago. Loyola Chicago. You had to be kidding me. You can't be serious. Man, unbelievable. I guess expect the unexpected in the tournament. Hopefully my assessment of this tournament of pretty much expecting Baylor versus Gonzaga, that collision course, hopefully that comes to pass. Not only for my bracket state, but for me being right. And we were supposed to see that this year, but it got canceled. Now, hopefully we get to see it in the national championship. All right, so what we got now? Oh, okay, some other things that happened. Okay, Virginia Tech lost to Florida, mainly because Kevin Aluma was a no-show and got into foul trouble. But thankfully, the reason that they were in it is Naeem Malin. The only reason... They're even, Virginia Tech is even on my radar because they came on my radio so many times. And then their stupid uh, midweek show always uh, cut off the JR Sports Brief. So they were definitely on my radar. And I noticed they were doing good until the COVID shutdown. And then they just, this fell off. Kevin Loomis is the best player. He didn't do nothing. Now they did make it interesting with a three to send it to overtime. Then in overtime, they saw it. They weren't good enough. So they lost. That was another hit to my bracket. That was the that was the first hit to my bracket. But yeah, Virginia Tech lost. I mean, and VCU with the COVID thing, I'm I feel so bad for them. I'm I, it sucks that that happened to them. They worked this hard to get to the tournament and then for it to end because of COVID, because maybe they were in contact with Roger Ayers who tested positive. That might have been why, but St. Bonaventure didn't test positive. I don't know what happened. It's a weird virus, and VCU caught the COVID L. The way Oregon played against Iowa, I'm I'm not sure if they would have beat Oregon if they played like that versus Iowa. But then again, we'll never know. We'll never know. What else? Georgetown had high hopes for Georgetown. And they showed that they didn't belong there, that they were the worst automatic qualifying team in the tournament. They proved to be that, losing 96 to 73. Now, I couldn't watch the game. I made the decision to go help my cousin move. So I faded that game. I regretted it until I was looking at the score on my phone and saw Georgetown was down 15. And then at halftime, they were down 20. Like, what? Like, I'm so glad I didn't watch that game. I would have been heated. I would have been blown. They didn't play well. And I think his name is Wob. The leading scorer for that game is transferring. But they got five-star coming in, so they should be fine. But still, man, you gave up 96 points. You gave up, let me check my notes. You gave up 16 threes. 16. Trash. Just trash. Georgetown, you got to be kidding. 16 for 25 from three for Colorado. Everyone knew they weren't going to do that against Florida State, and they didn't. And they got blown out. So, I mean, unbelievable, bro. How they flamed out of the tournament, crazy. Merlin was the better team against UConn. Uh, RJ Cole didn't really do anything. He was okay, but he, you know what I'm saying, he wasn't what he was at Howard. I mean, he got another year or two there, so we'll see what he does, you know. 
And then boot night was okay. Like, Maryland was just a better team against UConn. But then they got blown out by Alabama. But I love the fact that Maryland and Alabama basically flipped roles in women's basketball. And Maryland, Lord Jesus, they whooped tail. They whooped Alabama's tail. 100 to 64? Oh, my God. He didn't even make that many threes. I was expecting 15, 23. They made like nine. They whooped tail. And that um that girl, Jordan Lewis from Alabama, she had like 30 against North Carolina. She had only eight against Maryland. They shut her down. They she got the AO Dasumu treatment. Like AO Dasumu versus Loyal Chicago. That was Jordan Lewis versus Maryland. Locked down. Yeah, March Madness was was awesome so far. I spent 20 minutes on this. And just like that, you got to get into the Sooner Schooner and talk about OU basketball. So uh, let's hop on. It didn't take me long to realize that Oklahoma men's basketball was a better team against Missouri. Yet, they still had to sweat it out. And only won by like three. I can't believe it. They couldn't stop that kid, Drew Smith. They gave up a bunch of three-pointers, which kept Missouri in it. Every time OU made a run, Missouri would make two or three uh, three-pointers to bring themselves back in it. It was an annoying game. They were clearly better than Missouri. Even the Ken Palm says that, too. And they it was a close game. They almost lost. Unbelievable. And then, and then, they go against Gonzaga. No one expects them to win. Oklahoma fans don't expect them to win. No one does. Even I, for the most part, expect us to lose. I was like, okay, okay, maybe we can win if we can play the best defensive game we've ever played. We play Kerr. Kef more. He only played seven minutes versus Missouri. I was like, if we can play him more against Gonzaga, and maybe we can slow down Timmy and all them other guys from getting to the rim. And Austin Reeves does what he does, and everyone shoots well, we might win this game. I mean, I just saw Illinois lose. I just saw Iowa lose. Like, it can happen. I'm just here to tell you right now, it kind of happened that way, but we still lost. Kirk Kep played 28 minutes. He had five blocks. It looked like he had nine or ten blocks because he was just sending everything. He was clapping stuff off the backboard. Like it, it was very fun to watch. I was like, this, this is what I'm talking about. This is why he's one of my favorite players on this team. This is why he's arguably my favorite player on OE basketball. Because the way he played defense, the way he affects shots and blocks shots, I was loving it. But when he wasn't blocking shots, he was getting put in a blender by Drew Timmy. That's the thing, man. I I said earlier this year that uh, the three branches of government are freaking Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, and Jalen Suggs. Like, Jalen Suggs had an okay game. Kispert didn't have to do much because Timmy had, like, 29 and 10 or something like that. Like, Austin Reeves did his thing as usual. There's a reason why he's first team all Big 12 and arguably the third best player in the Big 12. He showed up, and he was efficient. He only missed, like, five shots. 
Oh, he wasn't that bad. He wasn't really a ice box this game. Every time OU looked like they were going to cut the deficit and make this a game, Gonzaga would hit a three, get to the free throw line, or call timeout every time. And they were just too much. They were too good. It's not like OU just sucked. Gonzaga was just good, and it didn't help that the rest were calling some fouls that I just didn't understand, like Jalen Suggs, Elbrowing, Kirk Kwep, and Kirk Kwep got called for a foul, and it got reviewed for flagrant. Like, it, well, the Jalen Suggs part of it, the elbow, and they didn't give him the flagrant. They gave him two free throws. What? Oh, my God. That game just, like, really pissed me off. And then what really got me pumped up was when Harkless fouled Jalen Suggs when he was going for a breakaway layup. I loved it because Jalen Suggs had been throwing elbows all game, and Harkless wasn't going to let him get a cheap layup. And he got up ready to fight. And it would have been, been something if his teammates didn't rush in to calm him down because Harkless was ready to go. He was ready to go. I was ready to go. I was ready to come through the screen and get in the fray. Speaking of fray, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But, man, unbelievable. That that fight, man, that, that got me hyped. I was like, let's go. There's some fans that not going to root for Gonzaga from now on because the way the rest kind of helped them out with some BS calls. And just that, that whole Jalen Suggs thing. It, it kind of made Gonzaga look a little unlikable. But still, I want them to win because, you know, I want to win this money in my bracket pool. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. And it was a good good season for Oklahoma. It, it didn't end very well at all. It, it was a horror show. I mean, we, we ended the season losing six of eight or something like that. Like, it, it just five or seven. Like it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. It was a nightmare. If they was if they have done what they were supposed to do at the end of the season, we would have never had to play Gonzaga. We would have been the seventh seed, and we would have played seventh seed at worst, and we would have played one of these overrated two seeds. Iowa don't play defense. Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts. Like Houston, Houston's pretty good. Houston's pretty good, but I don't know, man. Like, I feel like <laughs> we could have beat one of them guys. Oh, and, and Houston barely beat Rutgers. Is there any two-seed I'm missing? Okay, Alabama blew out Maryland, but we we beat Alabama already. So you mean to tell me, so we were a seven-seed, I would have loved our chances to go to the Sweet 16. If we were a six-seed, I would have loved our chances to go to Sweet 16, even though... I don't know. Syracuse would have been a tough matchup, but all them other 11 seeds, no, not that good. So, I mean, they took care of business, man. They be in the Sweet 16 because I'm just looking at other parts of the bracket and I don't see why not. But they lost all them games at the end of the season, ended up being an eight seed in Gonzaga's bracket and what could have been a lead eight Sweet 16 game end up being a second-round game, and it just wasn't good. Sucks. And then Lon Kruger retired yesterday. 
or was it today? Yeah, now he's gone. I wasn't expecting that, but 45 years of coaching, 68 years, 68 years old. Yeah, I'm sure, man. He's just done, man. Like he's done a lot of coaching. He probably wants to relax now. Probably wants to focus on other things. And now he can root on his son. His son is a head coach at UNLV. Like father, like son, you know? Huh. I have no problem with it, man. And and, and Long Crew is just, just awesome. You know, cool guy, nice guy. I just remember when he first came to OU and they made tickets five bucks. <laughs> I loved it. No, they made uh, season tickets like 20 bucks. I was ecstatic. And he signed one of my hats. He's a, good, he's a cool guy, and we went to a Final Four with him. Went to a Sweet 16. This year, I didn't know what to expect, and we got up to number seven in the country. Yeah, man. You know, a lot of respect for Coach Kruger, and I don't know who's next. I don't know who's going to be the head coach moving forward, but, you know, we'll see. Shout out to Lon Kruger, man. Uh, Let's see. OU softball still undefeated. 22-0. Whooped Team Mexico. They uh destroyed them. There was one game that was 2-1. Other than that, OU pretty much beat them, like, handily, soundly. So, I mean, I love it. And, you know, the real test starts now, now that the Big 12 is starting. You got to play Iowa State, who this got to be their best team in years. This got to be the best team they've had in years. Because, you know, they've they've been ranked. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Iowa State isn't ranked anymore, but they're, they're still receiving votes. So, that's way better than before. And I'm looking at this and... Texas is number eight. Oklahoma State's number 10. Georgia's number 17. We got to play them. Baylor isn't ranked anymore. I don't know what happened there. But they're receiving votes too. So the Mickey Mouse part of the schedule is over. And it's time to really play some softball. And if this team is really as good as people say they are, or as good as they've been scoring all these runs, leading the country in home runs and runs, batted in, all that, then they should sweep through this part of the schedule, too. They're the undisputed number one team. They're the only undefeated team. Like, <laughs> undisputed, unanimous number one. Uh, UCLA dropped one. Oregon dropped one. Alabama dropped two. Like, oh, my God. Duke is 24-1. and one. Oh, my God. But anyway, man, they're, they're unbelievable. We're spoiled as um as uh sooner sports fans that pay attention to OU softball we're spoiled same thing with gymnastics but oh my god oh breaking news oh the dolphins traded the third overall pick to the niners oh my god bruh the niners are going to draft i'm telling you this right now the niners are going to draft Zach Wilson or Trey Lance so the they're probably going to draft a quarterback. You don't trade up to the number third, to the number three overall pick if you if you don't draft a quarterback. Seriously, like you got to do it if you trade up that high. Boy, I can't wait to see what quarterback they get and how that works and what happens to Jimmy G. I don't think he's going to the Patriots. <laughs> 
But I mean, maybe he goes to the. Mm, I was gonna say the Washington football team, but they got Fitzpatrick. I mean, they could still get him. Why not? I mean, I could see him going to the Giants. That could happen. He could go to the Dolphins. I well, I mean, they committed the two, or he can go to Houston if this Deshaun Watson thing doesn't turn out well. Plenty of places he can go. Now back on the Sooner Schooner uh, gymnastics. OU women's gymnastics. Gymnastics undefeated. I told you after they beat uh, Utah, who's the number three team in the country, that they had a Mickey Mouse schedule and they were going to annihilate everybody. And they pretty much did until they got to Denver, who they somewhat close game with, somewhat close match with, and then they had a somewhat close match with Iowa State. And then they lost to Denver, which shocked me. And they didn't win the Big 12. Denver won the Big 12. This girl from Denver, uh, Lindsey Brown, had a 10, a perfect 10 on the uneven bars. I'm shocked. I am shocked. Because OU Women's Gymnastics has been a freight train, a juggernaut. They won the Big 12 nine straight years. Um, I don't even know who won the Big 12 in 2011. I wasn't paying attention back then. Wow. Unbelievable. Congrats to Denver. Oklahoma women's gymnastics can still win the national title. But I know, I mean, I know this takes a hit. This takes a hit on their record. And um, we'll see what they do in the Tuscaloosa Regional. They're probably going to annihilate whoever's there. And then we'll see what happens in the nationals. But it was shocking to me. And finally, to end the ride on the Sooner Schooner. Baseball is 12-8. and eight. They started their five-game winning streak by beating the number one team in the country in Arkansas. Then they destroyed Houston. And I think before Houston, no, before Arkansas, they beat somebody. And that started the winning streak. And then they annihilated Houston. They beat them 19-1 in one game. I, unbelievable. They do all this to turn around and lose to Texas State. Five to two. Now, in my initial assessment of OU baseball being inconsistent, what will be right on cue is for them to lose two or three games to Texas, who they got next coming up this this weekend, or I think it's next weekend. That will be right on cue, them losing to Texas. That's probably what's going to happen. But maybe they'll surprise me and take two out of three or maybe all three. But, you know. Imagine beating Arkansas and Houston and just destroying Houston to turn around to lose to 9-13 and 13 Texas State and only scoring two runs. Wow. Just keep an eye on this team. I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're, they're, they're a roller coaster from, from what I see. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get a chance to sit down and watch them sometime because it looked like they're exciting, even though they're a roller coaster on paper. <laughs> oh man. Um and by the way, Oklahoma State got out rebounded by twenty against Oklahoma uh against Oregon State. I forgot about that when it comes to March Madness and Kay Cunningham, I thought him and Avery Anderson were gonna run through that part of the bracket and they struggled with Liberty and Oregon State. Especially on defense and oh my god, they're bigs Oregon State. Their forward and their center got 12 rebounds apiece. Like, I, I did not see that coming. But 
Doug Gottlieb, right before that game, said Oklahoma State doesn't match up well with Illinois because no one can guard Kofi Coburn and keep him off the boards. And they couldn't even keep Oregon State off the board. So I can't even imagine what Illinois would have, would have done to them. But they didn't, neither of them made it to Sweet 16. So I guess we'll never know. <laughs> the whole country wanted to see that, but it didn't work out. We get Lowell, Chicago, and Oregon State instead. <laughs> yeah, the Pac 12 cooking. Oh my God. Real quick, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but man, free agency crazy. Uh, For the NFL, like Washington football team got Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I still can't believe. I Out of all the quarterbacks, you could have waited for Jimmy G. The 49ers about to draft a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, come on. They got Curtis Samuel, which is a really good pick. I mean, which is a really good free agent signing. I mean, wow. That that adds another weapon, and, you know, he's cool with Terry McLaurin, and he knows the Carolina coaching staff that's in Washington now, so that's a good fit. They got William Jackson to replace Ronald, Ronald Darby, who left for Denver. And then they just got Adam Humphreys, who is a pretty good receiver. You know what I'm saying? He's a pretty solid receiver for Tennessee. It's like, yo... They, they getting some weapons. They not playing. They not playing around. I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, okay, Washington football team ain't playing. They know offense is the problem, and they made some bigger, big moves. And who knows what they're going to do in the draft. So, I mean, uh, maybe I should be a little bit worried. But it's a sitcom. And whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. They'll, they're going to do something hilarious when the season starts. And then this is a team that hasn't been past the second round my entire existence on this earth. So <laughs> I shouldn't be too worried. Maybe I should be worried about the Giants. I don't know. I mean, they have to figure out what to do at quarterback. If Daniel Jones is the guy, or are they going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, but they got Kyle Rudolph, a solid tight end. You pair him with Evan Ingram, assuming they keep an Evan Ingram. I haven't heard anything, so they got them two. They got Kenny Galladay, a big-time receiver from the Lions who's pretty much hurt a lot of the year last year. Got him. You got a Dory Jackson who's a great DB and kick return, kick returner. They lost Dalvin Thompson, though, which is big for their defense, but I think they'll be fine. They they trying to build a squad, but it's going to be tough. You still got to compete with the entire division. It's going to be tough. The Cowboys got a juggernaut on offense. Uh, Washington got a juggernaut on defense. And the Eagles are just underrated. So they, they got they got their work cut out, cut out for them. Deshaun Jackson went to the Rams. Malik Jackson went to the Browns. Jalen Mills went to the Patriots. Vinnie Curry went to the Jets. Duke Riley's gone. And we got Anthony Harris talking about the Eagles. Anthony Harris, Joe Flacco, and re-sign Hassan Ridgeway. I mean, I guess, man. It's not looking good on paper, and I don't know what Joe Flacco's going to do. It'd be something if he wins the starting spot. I don't think so, though. I think Jalen Hurts is too good, and he's working too hard to give up that spot. I think, you know, Joe Flacco will be a mentor, and if Jalen Hurts gets injured, you know, he'll be right there to be a solid backup. 
Well, we'll see. It's a one-year deal. I mean, whatever. <laughs> the Eagles still might draft a quarterback. Um, they don't find one they like in the first round. They could draft one in the later rounds. So look out for that. And the Cowboys, they lose Awuzie, one of their corners, but they get Keanu Neal and they re-sign Jordan Lewis. I, listen, bro, some of these guys they got in free agency I've never heard of. And they didn't sign them for much. I'm sure they cash strap after paying Dak Prescott a lot of money. But then again, I got to remember, got to remember that Dak Prescott is only a $22 million cap hit this year. So they got a little room this year to make a little bit of some signing. But after that, when he starts becoming a $30, $40 million cap hit, that's going to be tough. But then again, the salary cap's going to rise, obviously. So... Uh, we'll see. Uh, Cowboys still going to be tough to beat regardless. I mean, they got the band together. The Bucks kept the band back together, literally. They signed all their free agents except Antonio Brown. They don't even need Antonio Brown. <laughs> they don't even need him. They got Scotty Miller. They don't need Antonio Brown. So they're good. They got the band back together. It's going to be interesting. Uh... Now, the NBA had to trade that line. So, Vucevic is going to the Bulls. The top two trades, Vucevic to the Bulls, Oladipo to the Heat for Olenek and Avery Bradley. Those those two moves were the biggest ones. And Evan Fournier going to the Celtics, those, two, those three moves, those are the ones. I got all these other moves, but they, they are nothing like these. This is like that. Oh, and Rajon Rondo to the Clippers because the Clippers should have signed Rajon Rondo to begin with. So they finally trade for him. So that's a good move. I mean, and then Drummond should be bought out soon. I mean, it, what took them so long should have been bought him out. And Aaron Gordon going to the Nugget. I just like that. I, I like that, you know. Uh, these... Big pieces going to good teams. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm sure one of these players is going to take the teams over the hump. I mean, Vucevic to Chicago. I mean, Chicago looks like they're going to make the play-in tournament. They might do better than that. Now that they got two all-stars on one team, you got Levine and, and Vucevic. That's a hell of a combo. Like, And then on top of that, they got Troy Brown and Daniel Theus. From the Wizards and Boston's respectively, respectively, they going in. They going in. They pushing their chips in. I like that. The Wizards got in return Chandler Hutchinson, Daniel Gafford. I have no idea who Daniel Gafford is, but apparently he does well against the Wizards from what I've heard. I didn't watch any of those games. And I'm just like, yo, we'll see. Because losing Mo Wagner and Troy Brown, I don't know, man. Then again, the Wizards aren't really winning. They're the third worst team in the East. I mean, might as well. It's not like those guys are helping that much. I mean, the Wizards have lost eight of nine. They've lost eight of nine. I don't even want to talk about the free agents anymore. Like, the Wizards have lost eight of nine. Westbrook shot three of 15 last night and had eight turnovers. Now, I like his hustle. He had 18 rebounds, four block shots, two steals. What a stat sheet. And he had, man, he had four blocks. Like, that. that's incredible. And nine assists? He was all over the place. The thing about the Wizards now, I like the more aggressive Westbrook. 
I like a healthy, more aggressive Westbrook. The problem is we ain't winning. And Bill went 8 for 23 last night. But yeah, 26. Y'all not playing defense. You take the third or fourth quarter off. Sometimes you get blown out the entire game. Lost to the Knicks three times. Like, what, what are we doing here? Should we just tank and get one of them high draft picks? I mean, we could get Kay Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. If we get Kay Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, got to trade Westbrook. If we get Kay Cunningham, we got to trade Westbrook. But I think we should get Evan Mobley or Jonathan Kamanga. That would be a better fit, especially if we keep Westbrook and Bill. It's not looking good for the Wizards. They are falling out of it. I think Cleveland has caught them. We were way ahead of Cleveland like a month ago. I have no idea what they're doing. Scott Brooks doesn't look like he's coming back. I don't know what's going to happen to Westbrook. He might be one and done too. But who's going to take that contract? $41 million? Who's going to take that contract? We might be stuck with Westbrook. Bro, the Wizards are loafing. They are loafing. Oh, my God. Bro, the Eagles traded the number six pick. This is happening too fast. The Eagles have traded number six pick. You know what this tells me? We're definitely not getting a quarterback. I think we're going to get a defensive player. We're going to get a defensive player. So now the Dolphins are at six. They're probably going to draft the receiver. I guess we're not going to draft the receiver either. There you go. There you go. Oh, and the Patriots might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo after all. So uh, we'll see. The Eagles traded the number six pick. Oh, my God. Please. If you're going to do that, please get a good defensive player. Or maybe we still get a good receiver. I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. But we're not drafting a quarterback. That's what that's what that pick tells me. That's what that trade tells me. Two things. Before I get into the hypothetical gaming episode. Two things. I had a big flag, flag football fight on Sunday. The top two teams in our division, our team and then this team called Black Happens, we're playing. They got a pick six to go up 6-0. We scored twice. And right before we scored the second time, they're complaining about our ball, which I'm not going to lie. We do have a small ball. I don't argue about it. I don't care. I just wanted to win. I knew it was suspicious. I knew it felt wrong, but I knew it felt wrong. But I just went with it. I didn't care. So when... A guy I know, the only guy I know on that other team, when he complained about the ball and and made a big deal about it, our team, the captains on our team did not like it. And that fired them up. And to go up six, we threw a jump ball to our best receiver, and he mossed like four people, and he scored. I mean, and then the trash talking turned up. We were in their face yelling. I was the only one talking trash before then. Because I was like, you're going to die. We're going to blow you out. I kept saying that. No one's really listening to me, though. I Maybe I, I wasn't really in your face about it. But I was, I kept saying that. After that, we got. I think we didn't get the conversion. And all of a sudden, they pushed one of my teammates. And he goes, oh. And he pushes back. And everyone's rushing in. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of a scrum, and the referee's in the game. And this really, that's what I needed, because I was fired up. I, they shouldn't have done that. I was really pumped up. And I kept saying, I just kept going. I was like, y'all can get blown out. Y'all's trash. 
you're three and one, but you're trash. You're going to get blown out. You're going to die. I kept saying that. I was fired up. I was in their face. I was like, you garbage. I just kept talking trash. I didn't throw one punch. Thank God. And it was just a lot of drawing and talking behind people's backs. Like, after that, it, it calmed down, but it got us fired up. And we got to play them next week. And we're probably going to blow them out. I'm going to be real with you because we our offense is unbelievable. I, I, and we got great football minds. And we already know what they're going to do on defense. So now we're really they're really done. And it doesn't matter what ball we use. But them guys got on my team got really upset about that ball. And they took it personal. Like they needed any motivation. Like they needed any extra motivation to kick tail. Oh, they're done now. And we didn't have our quarterback. Oh, my God. They're actually going to die next Sunday. And I can't wait. All right, last thing. Uh, Maya Chaka, I think I mentioned her being another uh, female referee. I think the first black female referee in the NFL. Well, apparently, she came from the Pac-12. And apparently, she... Spent six years in the NFL official development program. A program I learned about a few years ago. Why is this important? Well, I'm a high school ref. And my mom has been in my face about me finding a career and me getting going in my life as an adult. And... I'm I'm about building goal level, so I don't even know what she's trying to do. But the thing is, though, should I do it, though? Should I make that push to be an NFL rep? And I'm like, because it's like, oh, man, she did all this. Man, why not? Why not me? Why can't I do that? Of course, the first thing I noticed about my chakra, of course, the hormones took over. And it was like, oh, she's cute. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course she's cute. But then I was like, damn, like, what did she do to get there? How many years did she work? And I'm like, I'm looking through their official development website. And they got a whole, like, the way they scout referees, they got, like, columns. And they got a whole organized sheet. Like, they got appearance, uh, decisiveness rules knowledge how comfortable you are out there i mean it's some things they look for when looking for the next nfl referee and it start and made me realize that reading their site it's like oh it's just like going to the nba it's just like going to the nfl as a player if you're garbage in high school they're not going to want you in college if you're garbage in college they're not going to want you in the pros and the guys in the pros have ref college and ref for years on a high school level and college level. So you need to have the experience and you got to be good. So that's why, and that's how she probably made it to the NFL. She was good and had mentors from the NFL level. So that helped her get in. And I'm like, okay, I could, I could do that. But in order for me to do that, I have to get better at high school refereeing first. 
Like, you're going to have to get better at that. You're going to have to study the rules more. You're going to have to be more decisive, be more, just be, have more control of the game in high school. If we can do this in high school, then we can work, work up to college and then work to the pros. You know what I'm saying? I won't have to get pushed there, you know? They'll be knocking on my door. I'll let the work speak for myself. But just looking at uh, Maya Shocker really was an uh, inspiration. And she's fine. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. But, yeah, um, we'll we'll see if I make that push to the NFL. Um, the way it's looking right now, I doubt it. But can I at least be a better ref this year in high school? Yeah, of course. At least. My biggest thing this year is I got to be more prepared. Like on and off the field. If I can do that, then I'll 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 have a better season. That and that's one step I can make towards the next level. But now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. I, 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 Here it is, the finale of the mini tournament, the Montego Bay mini tournament between 2009 Good Council, Beverly Hills High Eagles from the show All-American, a 2009 McNamara, my high school team, and the South Crenshaw Chargers from also from the show All-American. So we'll start with the consolation game, the third place game, which is McNamara, 2009 McNamara versus Beverly Hills. So here we go. From the start, McNamara jumps out to a 27 nothing lead at halftime. Brandon Jackson, our second running back, 120 yards, two touchdowns in the first half. Dominated. James Joseph, only 75 yards passing because, I mean, we're running the ball so well, didn't really have to pass. Uh, Jordan Baker, 3 for 10, 24 yards and a pick. Krishan Rose, our all-star D tackle DN with three sacks. Uh, Coach Montez sticks with Jordan Baker in the second half, even though she benched him against good counsel. Sticks with him versus McNamara. They make a furious comeback, 28 unanswered points. Asher Adams with three touchdowns, 124 yards receiving in the second half after being shut out in the first half. He showed up. It was 28-27, two minutes to go. Brandon Coleman had a deep post route. For a touchdown late in the fourth. And McNamara made it 34-28. But last play of the game, five seconds ago, uh, Jordan Baker hit JJ with the game winner with no time left. And All-American Beverly Hills High Eagles won the third place game in the mini tournament 35-34. What a good game. So now the main event. Good Counsel, 2009 Good Counsel versus South Crenshaw Chargers. It was a surprisingly a defensive struggle, or maybe not that surprising. Both teams got really good secondaries, but Troy Gloser had two first half sacks. He's once again a menace. Now Spencer James shut down Stefan Diggs. Jabari Long was shutting down Lewis Young. That's their two really good corners. Uh, Ferrazzo. Had an early TD, 
So it was 7-0 South Crenshaw at the end of one. But Mike Natoli in the second quarter had a seven-yard touchdown catch, and it was 7-7. But good counsel before the half ended added a field goal. So it was 10-7 good counsel at the half. Chris only had Chris from South Crenshaw only had 55 yards passing. Zach Dansel had 70 yards passing. Grosso had 87 yards rushing. And Wes Brown only had 60 yards rushing. Uh, Grosso, the running back from South Crenshaw, had another 25 yards in the third quarter. But South Crenshaw took the lead 14 to 10 with a read option 14 yard pass. The fate to give the Grosso and Spencer James ran a slant and scored 14-10. South, actually 13-10 because they missed the extra point. So 13-10 at the end of three, South Crenshaw. Good counsel, had another field goal at the start of the fourth quarter. And then after a stop, after stopping South Crenshaw, good counsel finally took the lead. With uh, Stefan Diggs did a double move. Did a double move on Spencer James. Was wide open for a touchdown. 20-13. 2009 good counsel. Then Troy Gloser had a sack and fumble. The good counsel recovered. And then good counsel came back. After two unproductive plays. They came back third and long. With a draw play to Wes Brown. For a touchdown, 27-13. So, after stopping South Crenshaw again, they put it away with a long field goal. A 50-yard field goal. So, now it's 20-13. to And that's how it ended. They stopped South Crenshaw again. And they ran out the clock. And so, 2009 Good Council wins the mini tournament. 30-13 over South Crenshaw. So... Chris from South Crenshaw was 13 for 24, 124 yards and a touchdown. Grotso, the running back, was 20 carries, 130 yards and a touchdown. He played pretty well. Spencer James, 7 catches, 70 yards and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs, 5 catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. Lewis Young, 2 catches, 30 yards. Wes Brown, 15 carries, 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Zach Dantel was 9 for 17, 180 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And good counsel won, 30 to 13. And that was a hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.